today's version, but also verses that I will be reading from. It will be easier uh, as I have several several I want to read as I go through this uh, the sermon. And also in there, you will find the outline of my sermon. Uh, some people find that helpful uh, when I am preaching. So uh, that is there for, you know, your, uh, your help if you would like it. Uh, everything is in there and the verses I will refer to. Let us pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, open your word to our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit with power and authority as these words are not words of men, but words of God. Bless us now, Lord. We come waiting upon you. For if you do not teach us, nothing will be accomplished of great value. So we seek you and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you live in a a fallen world, a sinful fallen world where sin has corrupted everything. There's so much anxiety and uncertainty today, isn't it? I mean, you you see war that's going on and all the death and the destruction that's going on and the, the headache. There are shortages. Enormous cost of living increases. You hear rumors sometimes of World War III, nuclear attacks, and instability is everywhere. You wake up in the morning and you look at the news or you look at the paper or TV or something to see what changes have taken place while you were sleeping. You wonder what change will take place today for me, next week, next month, next year. And how are we as God's people to respond to all of this? What does he want us to know? How does he want us to respond? Well, I think that here in Joshua chapter 1, the Old Testament church was living in uncertain times as well. Moses, the only leader they knew, had died. You see that uh, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. And the only two people who were alive when they started the when they crossed the Red Sea was Joshua and Caleb. All the rest had died in the wilderness. And now here they are, ready to cross the Jordan River. A new leader, never done this before, never saw water parted, part, uh, parted except uh, Joshua and Caleb. So what's it all about? How are they? How are they responding to this? And what does the Lord Want them to remember back then. What does he want you and me to remember? Well, the first thing I think that he wants us to remember in living in uncertain times is that the Lord is always present. The Lord is always present. You see this in verses 1 through 4. Three things here as well as you think about the Lord being present all the time, everywhere. What does that mean to you? Well, first of all, he will encourage you. You see this in verses 1 through 2a. He says to, he said, Moses, the the servant of the Lord uh, has died. Uh, My servant is dead. Now, therefore, go over to this Jordan. What is he saying? He's saying to them, Moses was a servant of mine. 
He died, but I never die. I always live, I always was, always will be. And as they face this new thing before them, they had to understand that. And that he was encouraging them as he was saying these words to them through Joshua. The reality is set in. It's going to happen. There are people over there ready to war against them. But the Lord said, I'm the one who brought you here. Moses was just my servant. How do you deal with things that you've not faced before? What do you do? Where do you go? Do you seek the Lord on these things? He's everywhere. He's present. He's a God of great love and compassion, forgives sinners. Let him encourage you. Let him guide you, direct your life. You see, there's a warning here. And maybe this is why the Lord did it and took Moses. Don't put your security and trust in pastors and elders and leaders. Now, they're helpful when they deserve respect. But as time passes, they die as well. But God's promises lives on forever, and he lives on forever. How does this affect you when you hear this? Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It's in the handout. Here we're told how this encouragement and this presence of the Lord encourages God's people. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Rejoice in him, you see. Rejoice in him. Put your trust in him. Let him encourage you. He's always with you. Don't try to be figuring things out all the time. That you think it has to ha- something has to happen this way or that way. Let him encourage you. He said to them, you're going over the Jordan River. They've never walked that way before. How do you walk in ways that you've never been before? Do you remember the Lord saying that? I'm with you always. I'll be with you. Just go do it. The second thing I'd like you to notice about when the Lord is always present. The second thing I think we see here is he will direct you. He will encourage you in verses 1 through 2a, but he will direct you in verses, the end of verse 2 through 3. You see what he says, um, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel, the second part of verse 2. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. The Lord reminds his people of the promises he's made to Moses. Those promises remain and will be fulfilled. Notice that the Lord puts this whole thing in the past tense. I have given you, verse 3. See that? Upon the will tread upon, I have given you. It's so certain that it's going to happen. 
He puts it in the past tense. And often writers of scripture will do that. You see, they're so certain it's going to happen. The Lord directs the lives of his people. He determines their path and what will happen and where we will go. Every day we make our plans. But God can change them whenever he wants to and often does. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. Listen to how the psalmist said this. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own ways? Keep saying, I make my plans. I decide what I'm going to do. And yet the Lord directs it all. He changes it. This happens to me. That happens to me. I get a flat tire. I, I get, somebody calls me. Everything's changed. And the psalmist is saying, you know, if the Lord does this, how can we understand our own ways? We, we don't really know what we're, what we're, where we're going to go or what's going to happen. Let God's sovereign hand and mighty power comfort you every day of your life. He will direct you. We read that in the Psalm 139 this morning about before he was even conceived, his days were numbered, they were written in the book. All God's plans will be carried out according to his will. And you can rest in that and trust in him. The third thing I'd like you to see here that I think he's saying to them, he will assure you. He will assure you. You see this in verse 4. He lists what's going to happen, what land they're going to get, and so on. He says, these things shall be your territory. Now, what's the Lord doing? He's he's restating the promises to them that he made to Moses. And what he is saying, if you look at it, has not changed. It was the same. The Lord is saying to them, will you believe me? And will you trust me? And he says that to you today, to me. Will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you? That's the question. Changes and uncertainties will come and go. Will you trust your God when all this happens? Will you say, okay, Lord, I know you're doing something. I don't understand it, but my life is in your hands and I'll trust you. The Lord uses everything that comes into your life to grow your faith and to grow your trust in him. He does that. And you know, isn't it true that it's often at the worst possible time that things happen? It truly is, isn't it? Maybe you're having a difficult issue and then all of a sudden something else happens. And you say, why now? I don't understand this. Why, why couldn't it be later when this is settled? Why do we have to deal with it now? Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 15. And I'll show you how the Lord was teaching them about difficult times and his assurance. Notice what it says here. Joshua 3, verse 15. And as those who brought the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, 
listen to this, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. It's not incredible. Well, why didn't he pick a day when the sun was shining and it was a cold breeze and, and the Jordan was just calm as could be? You could see your reflection in it. He doesn't, does he? The worst possible time is when he took them across the Jordan. There's debris, there's tree limbs, there's all kinds of things coming down. And the banks are overflowed. And you can imagine as, as they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, how, how they, they got to the, to the river and, and got through some of it. And then when they stepped in, they went down. It wasn't like going into the beach or at the ocean and wading into the water. When you stepped in, you were in. And this, all these blims and all kinds of debris were there. You can imagine what that must have been like. What would you think if that happened? Wouldn't you say, Lord, why? Why this time? Why this way? I had a seminary professor that had a little cartoon about this. And he had the, the four men carrying the Ark of the Covenant coming up to the Jordan. And the two guys in the front, as they began to approach the, the overflow of the bank, turned around and said, isn't it your turn to go first? Because they wanted to be last because they weren't sure. How was this all going to work out? He will assure you. That's his promise. You know, and God is always with us. Always. Even when we don't acknowledge it. Even when we don't think about it. He's always with us. There was a, a story about the training of early American Indians. They had a special, unique practice of training young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, after, le after learning hunting and scouting and fishing skills, he was put to one final test. He was placed in the dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of the family and the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken several miles away. They did this to all their braves. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick woods, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce on him. And what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke after that. And the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and the outline of the path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away from him, armed with a bow and arrow. It was his father. He had been there all night, all night long. But his son didn't know it. But he was there. You see, that's true. And it's true of how the Lord is with us. Even when we have times where things seem scary, even when there are difficult times. He's there. He's always there. You know, the, the Lord's Supper reminds you that not only 
did your Savior go through an incredible agony for you. But it reminds you he's always going to be with you. His promises are based upon his word. The second thing I'd like you to notice, this will be in verses 5, 6, and 9. The Lord keeps his promises. So the Lord is always present. He says that to them. Secondly, the Lord keeps his promises. The first thing he promises is his presence. Do you see this in verse 5 and 6? I will be with you always. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. The Lord reassures them in in verses 5, 6, and 9. Just as he assured Moses, he would assure them. And then, and then Joshua was also appointed before all this happened. If you look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 through 8, it's written in their um, the handout, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 through 8. It says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid of them. Kind of sounds like what he says in Joshua. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. You know, maybe you need to hear that. Maybe I need to hear that again today. To hear about those promises, that God keeps his promises. And he's made great and precious promises to us. The second thing, not only does he promise his presence, but secondly, he promises his power. He promises his power. You'll notice in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide the lamb which I swore to give them to their fathers. What is he doing? Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because you have it? No. Because he has it. And he's orchestrating all this and carrying all this out. God's promise is that he will guide you. And his presence makes all the difference in the world. So often God's people act like he's not always present with them. What do you do or what do you say or how do you act when no one else is around, when you're by yourself? You might say, oh, it's safe for me to say this or do this or whatever. But you realize it's not. It's not at all. Interesting, as we read Psalm 139, I'll just comment on it that it says the same thing that the Lord knows you're standing up, you're rising up, setting down, and so on. The Lord knows it all. So he promises his power. And thirdly, He promises his protection. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be dismayed, not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see what he's saying? I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to lead you in ways that I want you to go. Do you remember when Peter walked on the water? 
and went to Jesus, how it was, it was a very rapid, uh, waves were terrible. The, the, the sea was really not safe to be on. And he asked Jesus to come, that he would let him walk. And he gets out and he walks in this incredible storm. And it's not till he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the things around him. And then he starts to fall in the water. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Notice the end of Hebrews 3, chapter 13, verse 5. In the handout it says, the end says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His promise of protection. He will guide you. He will keep you. You have his power, his presence, and his protection. And we just have to look at those things and remind ourselves of what is real. I remember many years ago, I was got to go through um, one of these 360-degree cinemas when they first got started. And we were down in Florida, and we went in them and into it, and uh, it had cameras all around. It was a, a, a video of what it was like if you were on an uh, air glider going through the mountains and down to the oceans and everything. And there were many people that got sick because you really feel like that's where you are. But the person that was in charge said, if you start to feel sick or uncomfortable, close your eyes and it'll all go away. Sometimes we have to look at the world and close our eyes and look at Jesus instead of what's going on around us. I'm not saying you don't deal with what's out there or anything like that, but sometimes we have to remember who's the one in charge. Who is he? Who's the one that's in charge? The Lord keeps his promises. Every promise. There was a, a very interesting story about um, someone that Booker T. Washington met uh, who was an, uh, an ex-slave from Virginia. It was in his book, uh, Up From Slavery. And he said, I found this man had made contact, made a contact with his master two or three years previous to the Emancipation Proclamation to the effect that the slave was to be permitted to buy himself by paying so much per year for his body. And while he was paying for himself, he was to be permitted to labor wherever and for whomever he wanted to. Finding that he could secure better wages in Ohio, he went there. When freedom came, he was still in debt to his master some $300. Notwithstanding that the Emancipation Proclamation freed him from any obligation to his master, this black man walked the greater portion of the distance back from Ohio to Virginia, and he placed those $300 in that man's hand. And he said, the man told him that he knew that he didn't have to pay his debt. But they had given his word to his master, and his word he had never broken. He felt that he could not enjoy his freedom till he had fulfilled his promise. A promise is a promise. And God's promises are everlasting promises and will never fail. The Lord's table reminds you 
today that the Lord keeps his promises, your redemption coming to earth to redeem you, a promise he made, a promise he kept. And thirdly and lastly, I'd like you to notice the Lord has all power. The Lord has all power in verses 7 through 8. So we saw that the Lord is always with you, that the Lord keeps his promises, and now the Lord has all power. And that's what he is saying to them here, I believe, and what he is saying to us in verses 7 through 8. The first thing, he directs your life in the beginning of verse 7. How does he do that? Only be strong and very courageous that you may do, observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. You see, it's God's word. Do what God's word says. Read it. Know it. Not just what you like and you're comfortable with, but all of it in context. Today, there are so many so-called pastors who teach that it's okay to take what you like and reject the rest of God's word. Do you only take what you like from the Bible? Do you reject the rest of God's word because it's too hard or you don't like it? You know, there are so many liberals today that the Bible is like a food buffet. You go there and you take what you want and what you like and the rest you leave behind. But that's not what the scripture says. Look at Psalm 119.105 in the handout. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word will give you direction and guidance. Secondly, as you look, as the Lord is saying, he has all power. He strengthens your faith. Notice he says in the second part of verse 7, Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Strengthens your faith. The Lord is the Lord is saying, "Stay completely faithful to my word, all of it." Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says this: All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely and thoroughly equipped for all goods work. All God, ever, all good work. Learn it, know it. There's power in the word. The third thing I'd like you to notice, and the last thing, is he comforts your heart. He comforts your heart. You see, his promise, this promise that the Lord is making here, if you keep his word and meditate in the day and night, Notice what the results will be. You'll have good success. Now, you're not going to have a perfect life where everything is going to be right, but you'll have good success. The word meditate in Hebrew means to murmur, uh, to imagine, to talk, self-talk, mutter. Prosperous means to make progress, to be profitable. And good success means wisdom and understanding and instruction and prudence and skill. You see how many times the Lord says here to be strong, be be strong and of good courage. You see that? Be strong and of good courage in verse 
uh, in verse 6 of verse 7. Uh, then in verse 9, the same thing, he says, The Lord has all power and authority. We can see how powerful God can be when we observe certain things, like how helpless, how helpless man is when a devastating storm or earthquake or something happens. It is so powerful that it can knock out a state or even the entire an entire region of the country. God's presence is with his people. And he comes at special times. Times of revival, which we pray for. And it's interesting that revival is the visitation of God, which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness then springs forth from a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of the heart in repentance and praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. Each revival movement has its own distinctions, but there's some patterns that are the same in every one. Very interesting, there was a New Year's Eve party back in 1739 where John Wesley and George Whitfield and some of their friends were all together and they held a love feast, which became a, a watch night of prayer to see the new year in. At about 3 a.m., Wesley wrote, The power of God came mightily upon us insomuch that many cried for exceeding joy. Many fell to the ground. Revival always begins with a restoration of the sense of the closeness of the Holy One of God. Second, the gospel is love like never before. A sense of God's nearness creates an overwhelming awareness of his presence. We pray for an awakening, for a revival. And maybe God will use you. Maybe you'll be one. That though you're living in uncertain times, that you will change the people you come in contact with, your friends, they'll see a difference. Remember, the Lord is always present, verses 1 through 4. The Lord keeps his promises, verses 5, 6, and 9. And the Lord has all power, verses 7 through 8. We live in uncertain times, but you have a God who never changes. Even though times change, you have his promise to be with you always. And you have his promise that there is no one who can resist his power. Listen as you hear these words that are spoken, not just to Israel, but to you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that is what you need to live in uncertain times. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that you will bless it to our hearts, that you will help us as we live in uncertain times to never forget you and what you had promised to Israel and that you promised to us as well. Keep us mindful of these things, Lord. Let us not be overwhelmed by the world, the things that are in the world, the uncertainties of the world. 
the uncertainties of life. But remember, you're always with us. Always. And that's what we need to live in uncertain times. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.